This was a vision. I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Look, the world is full of these kind of things. Black masses, mutilations, mutilations. The incubus, the succubus. I'm telling you, we got to go down to the religious supply store. we got to get ourselves a couple of gallons of holy water. My cousin Jerry's a priest. He can get us a deal. Do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Hey, once they get in here, it's over, pal. Trigger warning. This podcast may include explicit content that will take you out of your comfort zone and make you question reality. Listener's discretion is advised. Hey, hey, we're back and we're going way down below the ocean today. Thank you so much for joining me for part three of our discussion on the Nephilim. If you have not listened to part one, Myth or Memory, and part two, Book of Enoch, please do so before continuing. Patience is a virtue, you guys. But we will be continuing our discussion on the antediluvian civilizations today Atlantis, to be more specific, the big daddy of antediluvian civilizations. Is it real? Where is it? And where did everyone go? I hope to answer those questions for you in today's episode. Again, don't forget to check out the podcumentary on the Cosmic Peach YouTube channel if you have not already. This episode was really uh, a deep dive, no pun intended, on some of the sunken civilizations. And I've already told you this, but keep an open mind. If you don't believe any of the information, that is fine. But I want you to think for yourself, go research it on your own, and come up with your own conclusion. This is my interpretation of research I've done over the last two months. You may have a different look on this same information, but that's the beauty of it. I can present it to you in one way and someone else can present it to you in another way. But at the end of the day, I'm on a quest for the truth and I will present it to you in the most truthful way I can find. And that's what we're going to be doing today with this part three of the Nephilim episodes. Now, let's dive in. Literally, here we go. Okay, you're back for part three. Thank you so much for joining me. It's the moment you've been waiting for. The Lost Civilization of Atlantis. We are diving into all the juicy details tonight. But first, I have to ask you this question in light of our last episode where we discussed the Book of Enoch. Have you guys ever wondered why the God of the Old Testament was so wrathful and pissed off all the time? smiting and destroying, turning people into pillars of salt. Come on, what's going on? Have you ever asked yourself that question? 
I myself have asked that question a million times. Why was he so mad? And it's because of what was going on in the days of Noah. He was trying to preserve the bloodline of Seth for Jesus to come from. And there were these chimeras and DNA splicing and experiments and all kinds of crazy shit. So yeah, he was very wrathful. And some people have even gone as far as saying the God of the Old Testament is not the God of the New Testament. But we see now what was actually going on. And that leads to one of the most influential capital cities of the days of Noah, which was Atlantis. And yes, take a second, pause, and get it out of your head that Atlantis is this fairy tale place that's Plato made up. No, this was an actual place. And it was a significant part of the polytheistic influence over other cultures, the seven sages and the gods of old. We have evidence of underwater ancient cities all over the world. Bimini Road is a remnant of one of these sunken cities. And as I talked about in my Bermuda Triangle episode, I knew I was on the precipice of finding something huge, but it wasn't until I dove into the research on the fallen angels and the Nephilim that I found the connection. These ancient cities were built on already existing sacred sites. We know that from the first episode. But the reason that they were sacred is because the sites that they were built on or around were portals, gateways. And they were marking these gateways with significant architecture. And Bimini Road, where we see the remnants of our submerged city, is right next to the Bermuda Triangle and Little St. James Island where Epstein built his temple. Why do you think, out of all the places in the world, he chose that location right by the Bermuda Triangle to build his temple? He's recharging it with the blood and sacrifice. Just like in ancient civilizations, you have to feed these motherfuckers and open the portal in order to interface with the disembodied spirits of these fallen angels. They know about all of this. And we are just now, in 2023, figuring out something that they've known for their entire lifetime. I'm going all the way back to the days of the giants. They've always known about this. And it's the crazy kooky Christians who have tried to warn us about these cults. But now getting back to Atlantis. Atlantis was the capital city. They were the most arrogant, stuck up, proud people of them all and what they did was they built all these cult centers or satellite cities all over the world lumeria mew whatever you want to call it atlantis being the capital antarctica parts of egypt they had these satellite cities and 
we have never been able to place our finger directly on which one could be the capital city of Atlantis. But Plato's account states that it's beyond the pillars of Hercules in the ancient world. So that would be like Gibraltar, Mediterranean Sea, Atlantic Ocean. And that's where we're going to look. So basically northwest off the coast of Africa. And it was in the 1960s, actually, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, that a huge discovery was made near the Yucatan Channel between Cuba and the Yucatan. Have you ever heard of this? I bet not. Let me lay it on the line for you. It was a gigantic underwater city with four pyramids, sphinxes, megalithic stone structures, tunnels, roads, and get this shit. The largest of the pyramids found there is said to be larger than the Great Pyramid of Giza, and it was entirely made of crystal. That's why when I tell you our technology that we have today is dog shit compared to what they have, I'm being fucking serious. And this site dates back 10,000 plus years ago and very well could be our capital city of Atlantis. But we also see another submerged city off the coast of Spain, could be another satellite center, and again, Atlantis was known as the capital, but that doesn't mean that the other cities weren't using Atlantean technology, language, and culture. There were 10 kingdoms with Atlantis being the epicenter. And Poseidon is the ruler of Atlantis. And in Greek mythology, Poseidon is equal to Zeus. So that's what I was talking to you about in the last episode. There are levels to this shit. There were fallen angels getting together and having babies. Those were like the god kings, the Zeus and the Poseidons. But those god kings commingling with humans created the demigods. And these were very real. It's just different names for the same thing. The generic version, the name brand version, whatever, it's all the same. You wanted the connection, here you go. There is really only one truth. And these powers that be, they know that. That's why Epstein Island is right next to the portal of the Bermuda Triangle where he's conducting all of his ritual sacrifices of pedophilia, cannibalism, and calling on the disembodied spirits of the fallen angels. They know that there's only one truth, but they've got us so discombobulated that we don't believe in anything. Science is our god. Technology is our god. This is exactly what they want. So they can push this serpent dragon narrative it's all coming together. And even back as far as Babylon, you guys. It is said that Babylon was essentially just a memorial in reference to Atlantis. And we also can see that there is still emphasis on building certain things at certain locations like military bases and we do have 
underground bases and underwater bases that are built near these sacred ancient cities and these sunken cities. And it could be because this military arm, like I said before, is working with these gods of old and fallen angels. There are no aliens. They're setting us up for like an alien shape-shifting reveal of these men of renowned gods of old. But they are nothing more than a deception. And some of the ones that they will reveal are these giants that have been living underground this whole time. And like the city in Cappadocia that we talked about in the first episode, Derinkuyu, the underground city, it looked like an ant farm. That's no bullshit. There could be tons of underground cities like that and underwater cities like that. And when it, the time is right, they will reveal these mythical looking creatures. Remember what I said? Miracles, wonders, and deceptions. Ezekiel 26, actually, the verses talk about how when the earth was laid barren in the destruction of Babylon, people were dwelling underground. In Ezekiel 26, it says that they will be sent into the pit with the people of old time. In the low parts of earth and desolate places of old. Very well could be a physical place like there in Kuyu. It's after they get sent there that God will set glory in the land of the living. Now, dwell in ancient ruins is essentially what he's talking about. Like Darren Kuyu. Literally. But this isn't the first time that we see mention of cities under the ground. Kind of like the Hopi people when the ant beings took them into caves and saved them from the flood. Ant beings are just shapeshifters. They're fallen angels. God only knows what they were trying to preserve. Stories of how great they were being number one. And we also see that in Mexico... They speak of openings in the earth that lead to these ancient underground cities. And if we're talking about Mexico and ancient underground cities, I now must point you to the new Black Panther Part 2 movie. Because much like the Pyramid of Cholula in Mexico that's built over already existing sacred spring in the movie black panther 2 one of our main characters is quetzalcoatl the feathered serpent that i spoke about already in part one and part two and he was a plume serpent and we see he makes a cameo appearance in black panther part two now how did they portray him it tells the story that the human beings drove him out he went into the ocean started a whole brand new civilization kind of atlantis type civilization 
in the ocean. They have pyramids and advanced technology and they can breathe underwater and he's a f bloodthirsty asshole. But now, how do we get to the new civilization that he set up? Well, I'll tell you how you get there. You have to go in the ancient spring, down into the spring, through a tunnel, and it pops you back up and you're not underwater anymore. You're in a cavernous area and then you see this literal underwater civilization. If that's not telling you some shit, I don't know what is. And you know where else we see this? I'll tell you where else we see this. In the Disney movie Atlantis. Shall I break it down for you? Yes, I shall. In the Disney movie Atlantis, we see that our main character, Milo Thatch, discovers a journal with nothing more than the swirling pedophile symbol on the cover that leads him to Atlantis. Now, how does he get there? Well, he's got to get help from a scientist and a crew of people. And in this crew of people, one of the antagonists that we meet is someone named Helga Sinclair. I shouldn't have to explain this to you. I've said it a million times. And you know what? We're going to be talking about the Sinclairs in the next episode on the bloodlines. Just wait for it. But so we have the pedophile symbol, the mention of Atlantis, and a Sinclair. And then when they're looking for the opening to the city of Atlantis, well, it's guarded by a huge mechanical AI advanced technology leviathan yes it's not a fish it was like a fucking machine they they get past the leviathan though they go down in through a tunnel underwater and it pops them up in a cavern and they're not underwater anymore but then they have to go through a snowy weird it's all different types of like climates and there's fireflies that actually set shit on fire it's wild but then they get to atlantis and there's a tower of babel reference they have crystals they have the seven sages they practice the sacred sciences it's all it it's just a buffet and like i told you before they hide these messages in even the simplest movies, like the Disney movie Atlantis, like Black Panther 2, because you think, I'm just watching a piece of fiction. I'm watching a science fiction movie. No, you're watching a documentary, sorry to tell you. And these are also the places where you can open the doorways. You can open the portals. I do believe, though, that for some of these underground cities where they have the real freakazoids with the bird heads and shit and the red-haired giants, they do still come to the surface for special ceremonies and rituals and portals much like Stonehenge and um, we see all over. Uh, St. Louis Arch, definitely a gateway. These old gateways lead you to either the underground cities or the abyss 
Tartarus, where the disembodied spirits of these fallen angels are. But they have to charge them up to open them. And that requires the sacrament, right? The blooding in. But if we're talking about how these bird-headed beings and some of these real freakazoids that we're not really ready to see yet are underground, it makes me legitimately think of mermaids. Because as I covered in the last episode, cryptids are very much an offshoot of fallen angels and humans. So why couldn't that be so for the mermaids? Like the seraphim are serpent-like beings. They reproduce with a human being and you get a mermaid-like creature. Now, doesn't that make you think of something? Well, let me tell you. Even in Atlantean mythology, whether it comes from Greek, Egyptian, Central American, or North American, doesn't matter because they're all the same. They all agree that these serpentine-like seraphim were white, that they had blue or red hair, that they had an opalescent brilliance about them, that their eyes glowed, that they had high cheekbones and looked like snakes. What does that sound like to you? You guys need to go back and watch The Little Mermaid, another Disney classic, and tell me if you're looking at something that's white, that has red hair, an opalescent brilliance about them, her eyes glow, and she's got high cheekbones, and boy oh, she sure does look like a snake with that freaking serpentine-like body she has. But these motherfuckers did not have talking seagull friends or flounders they didn't twirl their hair with a fork and they didn't have an angelic singing voice although that could be where we get sirens from should i mention starbucks y'all these are not myths they are memories i keep telling you and as i said in the previous episode the church used to be a very supernatural place where they would teach us about stuff like this. But again, they've watered it down so much and using science as a deception, we think that these are myths. The golden age that they talk about, like with Atlantis, was just pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. You want to talk about do what thou wilt? These chimeras and DNA splicing, and they could fly, and they had anti-gravity. I mean, it was on a whole nother level of bewilderment, okay? And we're getting back to that now. They're setting us up for it. But if we're talking about Atlantis, we have to bring up, of course, Sir Francis Bacon. Did you think I forgot? No, I didn't. Now, Sir Francis Bacon has also been credited as being Shakespeare. I'm sure each and every one of you listening to this right now has your own theory on Shakespeare, and it's probably a great one, but this is what resonated with me, and this is the one I will be covering tonight. Now, Shakespeare was supposedly an uneducated son of a butcher, but is somehow able to still produce these classic works of literature and has all of this knowledge of history and knowledge of the old world 
and wow has an oxford writing style and used rosicrucian symbols occulted symbols which he should know nothing about and let's be real the name shakespeare is made up but now let's move over to francis bacon francis bacon was one of the most powerful people in England, and he worked under John Dee, who was the most famous English occultist of his era. And he takes over for John Dee later on. And when Francis Bacon is young, he starts writing, and he becomes a prolific writer. But during his teen years, he goes away for a while to France, and when he comes back to England, he still wants to continue his writing, but he can't because he's like second in charge and under Queen Elizabeth and Henry VIII. And he was a part of these secret societies like the Brotherhood of the Snake. Black magic, sacrificial, blood, necromancy cult. And priests in this cult are known as wizards or magi. And that's why you see wizards in connection with Francis Bacon. And you see wizards and magi connected with Atlantis, the wise ones or astrologers. And they also worked with the Egyptian priesthood. But they're all one in the same. But back to our story. So Francis Bacon creates this Society of the Helmet, which consisted of literary people. And they're going to reinvent the English language. Yeah. So there's this god and goddess related to the helmet. And that is Athena and Apollo. And they would wear this helmet. And they had a spear... And what it said is, these are the gods who would help educate people and bring knowledge. And it is said that these gods of old would shake their spears in the face of the lower serpent gods. Like the seraphim and those weird motherfuckers. But that is where we get Shakespeare. And let's be real. The works of Shakespeare are not only laced with Rosicrucianism and ancient history, but they are loaded with the genealogy of the bloodlines of the Nephilim and the kingships. It's loaded with allegories of the Nephilim and the giants and loaded with both the patriarchal and the matriarchal lines. That's why you have all those fairies in there. There is no way Shakespeare, the uneducated son of a butcher, could have known this. But this is what makes sense to me. And that's a really good insult. Next time somebody pisses you off, just call him the uneducated son of a butcher. It's a very unique insult. But anyways, John D and Francis Bacon were both highly trained in the secret societies in channeling these entities and very much so working 
with the disembodied spirits of these fallen angels. We're going to touch on this a little bit more in the next episode, but the next point I want to make is if we're talking about the secret societies, the OG besides the Brotherhood of the Snake would have been the Templars. And the Templars are the ones responsible for creating the sex that take over everything. The Rothschilds get the banking. The Royal Society gets the education. The Freemason group gets the media. The Jesuits get the religion. Rosicrucians are responsible with keeping the Gnosticism and the legends, mythology, gods of old, alchemy, Christ consciousness. This is what the Rosicrucians are in charge of. And the Illuminati gets the government. On that note, Bacon comes out with this prophetic tale called New Atlantis. And he wrote several alchemical books, but he essentially summed up his philosophy with the New Atlantis. The New Atlantis is about the Golden Age or End of Times. And he outlines what America becomes. This universal religion of Babylon that will work congruently with science. What does that sound like? One world government. And the United States will be the first to usher in this government. He talks about ten kingdoms like the ancient Atlantean kingdoms. But you know who else speaks about the ten kingdoms? Daniel in the Bible tells us about the ten kings and the ten kingdoms with the rulers serving Satan. This goes back to the strong delusion. It will not look like enslavement. You will not know that you have been enslaved. Again, like, like an apple on a tree. It will look absolutely delicious. Being like a god. Knowledge, enlightenment, immortality. And the Antichrist will be connected through these bloodlines. They will then open the abyss and let out all those freakazoids living in the underground cities. And they will have basically, you know what it's going to be like? The abyss will be opened. But much like another big advocate of transhumanism, James Cameron, the director of Avatar, there will be these empty biological vessels for the spirit of the fallen angels to enter. And that's why I think after all these years, we're seeing another Avatar movie. This new Avatar movie is going to be completely fucked up, I promise you, because the spirit of the fallen angels still need a biological vessel to enter. So this whole merging of religion and science is going to take us into an actual avatar type of world. It's going to be fabulous and we're just going to want it, you know, but that's part of the delusion. They'll say that these avatar-like beings 
are the gods of old and then we're going to have the giants and all this shit. It's going to be like the days of Noah for real up in this motherfucker. That's what we have to look for the signs of the new Atlantis rising. Now, I know this has been an absolutely fantastic episode, but you just wait because we are going to hit it even harder in the next episode when we dive in to the bloodlines going from the giants all the way to today. What are they up to? What do they look like? Is there really magic in the blood? That's all coming in the next episode. I hope to see you there. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you on the next one.